You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again to another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you yet again for another chat around STEM. And this week, we're talking with Dr. Matthews Joseph and James DePace out of Leicester Public Schools in Massachusetts, USA. Now, Matthew is currently the Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment in Leicester Public Schools. And for the last 25 years, he's been heavily involved in public education in so many different ways. We're talking being the Director of Digital Learning and Innovation, uh, being an elementary school principal, a classroom teacher, and a district professional development specialist. He's also the author of The Power of Us, Creating Collaborative Schools, and the co-author of an upcoming book called Modern Mentoring, Reimagining Teacher Mentorship, which is due out in November 19. And by the way, if you're listening to this past November, you can go get it now. Now, by the way, James DePace also joins us. He is a middle school STEM educator out of Leicester Public Schools, and for the past five years, he's been teaching STEM in grades six to eight, so middle school. Now, he also teaches other things too, which includes automation robotics, design and modeling, and computer programming. And what's interesting about James is that he actually spent 15 years in aviation before becoming a teacher, which is awesome. So those students would love his work with those practical knowledge that he could totally help out with those kids. And as a side thing, James has been the co-chair of the 2019 PLTW State Conference at the Worcester Polytechnic Institute. Now, Big, long spiel at the start, but that's because these guys have been doing a lot of things. And uh, the point is they've been doing a lot in STEM, especially in the middle years and elementary years. And what they've been doing can certainly help you out in your school. So enough from me. Let's just listen on in to Matthew and James. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun, free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 Free Experiments. My name is Matthew Joseph. I'm coming to you from the greater Boston area over here in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, USA. So it's pretty exciting. Um, currently, my role is the Director of Curriculum Instruction in Leicester, Massachusetts, just you know, about 40 minutes west of Boston. And previous to that, I was a Director of Digital Learning and a school principal for 11 years before sitting in this current position where I'm at right now. A few different hats there. <laughs> there you go. A few different hats. And Jamie, what do you get up to? Sure. I was, uh, well, I, my name is Jamie DePace. I've been STEM teacher now for five years. But before that, I worked for about 15 years in aviation um, all over the country. Um, I actually spent a year in Australia um, out at, uh, at the uni. Um, but since then, I came into STEM and, I'm excited to share everything that I've learned because it's been a life-changing experience for me. And actually, I might actually go with that. I mean, a lot of the time, um, the, there is a life-changing experiences for kids, but often we don't sort of ref- have a chance to reflect on actually, we tend to have these as well. Um, how, how did you jump from aviation into teaching? What made you want to move that role? Um, well, getting into management and the whole glorif- glorification of being around airplanes, um, that always stayed there, but that really wasn't the job. Um, so when I came into teaching and I realized ma- I was making an impact on, you know, students' lives and um, in society, I, I said, this is awesome. And it really made me much happier as a person. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And Matthew, how about you? What, what made you get into this sort of thing? Uh, so me, I think I came at it from a different lens where as a school leader, one of the things that I was pushing was design thinking in both lesson planning and then student activities and projects. and 
when I moved into the district role about four years ago, I was charged with creating this dynamic learning environment. And one of the ways that really struck me was the, the STEM thinking. And I know we have connected on the primary STEM chat. And that's one thing that I talk a lot about on that pod, uh, the Twitter chat is not just STEM as something. It's STEM as a design thinking process, the prototyping, the practicing, and then the trial and error so students can be very creative. So I kind of stumbled onto STEM as something that interested me from a uh, a building perspective and a learning perspective, and then seeing what the STEM dynamic in classrooms look like. It's something that I gravitated to because I like the inquiry learning, I like the design thinking, and I like when there's not one set answer to a, a global problem. And all of that led me to um, some of this type of work. And then I know we'll probably touch upon how I got into doing some more communication with, with all of you and some of my interests. But initially, that was my my entrance into this kind of lane of education is the design thinking process and the projects that align with that. So with uh, the design, design thinking thing, I mean, in, in practice, I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can sort of go down that path. Um, as a whole, do you find design thinking easy to work with, with uh, kids? Like, do they naturally take it on board? Or is it something that you sort of have to sort of go, okay, now we do this, now we do this, now we do this, sort of. How, how do they tend to take it on board when you first introduce it? So one of the things that I have found is it's usually trial by error. So yes, we often think that students intuitively can just create and design and um, go through this process, similar to when we say to adults, go collaborate. We think we know what's going to happen, but often what we need is a teacher to, one, give the big picture of this is where we're going to go, and then give step-by-step, step, not not where we're holding their hand, but really more in small chunks. Here's what it looks like. Here's how you can try it. Here's where you can take a step back. And I think within that design thinking, the biggest piece is asking questions. What could it be? What could it look like? And Jamie, what, what have you found in your class for some of those strategies that have worked? Well, I think that, you know, students are using the design process um, all the time without even knowing it. So, to be able to break it down um, step by step and actually let them focus on each step really puts a different perspective on it for them um, and they can uh, start to think about each step better as the, you know each project comes along and hopefully you know impacts the rest of their lives yeah so um so what sort of things have you seen the kids build jamie in your classroom or you know try and solve as a problem uh because i mean there's a lot of things you could go down i mean what are some of the things that have clearly worked um so i think if you connect the projects to real world problems um, and things that impact their lives they seem to take uh, more care into their thought process through it uh, for example um in uh, one of our one of the sixth grade units, we discussed cerebral palsy, um, and most schools have you know a few students who have this disorder, so they learn a little bit about it, um, and they actually first start off by building a creating a foot orthosis um, to help students with cerebral palsy or children with cerebral palsy um, fix their muscles to stretch them out and get them back into um, functioning order, I guess, and um, and in the end, they end up making a toy that will help children with cerebral palsy that has certain criteria um, that they have to meet in order to 
achieve the project. So just um, the whole cerebral palsy unit is very impactful, I believe. Absolutely. I mean, actually, I've come across a couple of schools that have used uh, 3D printing to build some sort of um, orthopedic device to help people out with that. I mean, is that sort of what you went with the 3D printing side or did you use some other device to be able to make? How did they make it? <laughs> I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah so um, we had just basically recyclables, um, cardboard, tape, um, just classroom supplies, um, and obviously they had to design it on a paper. Um, we didn't go as far as using the 3D printers for this project, but um, in the, um, the, the when they design a toy to help the children with cerebral palsy, we try to incorporate the CAD programs into it and um, let them print up different elements to the project. That's really cool because, I mean, um, often I mean, my brain went straight to 3D printing just thinking of the hard device that could last years, but the going into the, like, this initial um, pilot phase of creating something out of cardboard, tape, and whatever you need to do so you can see whether it works or not is just as powerful. And isn't that really going back to what Matthew was saying, the design process is iterative. You constantly, here's an idea and what worked, what didn't. Here's a better idea, what worked, what didn't. And imagine it fell, fell right into it. Um, how fantastic. Uh, so, oh, sorry, Matthew? So what I was going to say, to stay on the design thinking process to, to bring the school leadership side into this and kind of where we're looking to go. So at our last professional development day, one of the things that I was trying to bring in the STEM thought process and design process for our classroom regular education and special education teachers is that we created one of our professional development sessions was for all teachers on STEM education. And it wasn't what is STEM, it was the reverse of how can you bring STEM education and design thinking into your lesson planning, into your ELA class, into your math class. And actually Jamie was uh, one of the, the leaders of that and facilitated that to really flip the thinking about STEM. It's not where students go, but it's about the students that come to you. So Jamie designed and led a session about that as well. Yeah, and how do that how do that go? So when when so there'll be people listening on in who have that same challenge. So they're leaders in their schools, and, or also maybe potentially a group of schools. And they imagine that the they had uh, I don't know they've got people arriving next week, and they're uh, yeah. and they they want to get STEM going in their classrooms. They don't know where to start. I mean, I guess question Jamie for now is sort of how how did you introduce this idea and to help people out in your school and beyond? Um, well, it's tough because I don't want to people that they need to make their, their classroom a STEM classroom, um, but I want them to try and look at some of the problems that they have in their classrooms um, and try to think of a project, so more of a project-based based lesson that they can, you can, as a teacher, sit back and kind of facilitate and let them work their own, work their own projects and you kind of just give them some guiding tools to work them through solving their problem. Yeah. And it can be history. Um, ELA, English. Um, so. No, I, I agree. I mean, I'm just thinking now, I mean, I, I remember I was running a session once and someone just, and there, there, it was one of those sessions when you had multiple schools in the same room. And um, the question came up, what projects could the kids do? And I remember teachers putting their hand up going, well, our window latches don't work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. There's a perfect one to start on. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I think that is another piece that really drew me in and also why I promoted in the school is that we try to increase the relevance in learning. We try to create real life situations. And with our STEM thinking and STEM projects, it is real life. It is creating, you know, orthotics for students. It's fixing windows. It's building a bridge. It's doing things that are very practical and students can see the results and how it helps, you know, within the community or globally. And um, sounds like you guys are doing pretty well because a, a, a little birdie told me um, this year, uh, Jamie, you had uh, you get, did very well in a statewide competition regarding this type of thing. This is true. So um, in Massachusetts out here, we have um, the governor actually put out a STEM week and established the whole week dedicated to STEM. And um, they created some problems that, that are actually real problems and they wanted the students to all the way through K to 12, they each had their own problems to focus on. But as a middle school teacher, we had our students look at um, plastic in water and how it is, you know, how it is really a problem. Um, and it actually was pretty eye-opening to me after I did some research. I didn't realize how much plastic there really is in the water. I mean, every time we wash our clothes, which is mostly plastic, plastic anyways, all those little fibers um, come off into their washing machines and run off into the water. So um, our kids were tasked with creating a prototype how to remove the plastics from the water. Oh, cool. Yep. So one of, one of the groups who we had a little local competition here, and I chose two, two of the best groups to go to the Capitol and go to um, the – the, the, the Boston Garden where the Celtics play um, and they were able to showcase alongside of 60 or 70 other um, schools um, who were tackling the same problem and out of all of them one of my groups of students um, came in second place and was able to win Boston Celtics tickets. Oh awesome. That's so cool. And I mean that's I mean highly practical too. I mean this idea of um, plastics into the water is a big deal. Like <laughs> really is actually i was um only got recently had a chance to have a chat with a couple of students we haven't released the interview yet but the um they were um some these are elementary uh middle school sort of borderline uh, students when they um were entered the australian museum eureka prizes which is a big big thing that happens in australia and uh they they were looking at um microplastics and things that were turning up in fish so they spent uh several months every weekend um finding, they were catching fish and looking through their entrails. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, uh, particularly potent, <laughs> potent smelling. <laughs> uh, but um, but they, they actually found that, um, that this is a genuine issue. And, um, and I mean, so, some fish will stay locally in a particular area of a creek, one river, and others are migratory. Uh, and they found that it was an actual problem and something that could actually contribute real data to the real world. And I suspect with your, um, this project that could actually be useful if it was passed on to some scientists or engineers to take it further. Well, I think that was the whole idea of them taking, um, you know, getting a different perspective on a solution to a problem. I mean, when you have how many hundreds of schools in the state coming together to focus on a problem, you know, the, the results, you know, the, the, the odds of one or a couple of groups coming up with a different solution that maybe a scientist that didn't come up with, um, the odds are good. So 
I, I can't tell you exactly what they took out of it, but I can tell you that there were engineers and there were scientists as judges going around looking at all the, at the projects. Yeah, and I mean, I like the idea of students uh, working together as a collective genius. The idea that there's a lot of brains out there, you just got to apply them. And, and when you give them actual pro problems to solve, off they go. <laughs> so it's a great thing. Um, yeah. So, uh, what else have you seen? Um, like, so there, there's the statewide competition type things, and then there's just the day-to-day -day type project, you know, PBL type stuff that kids can be doing. Um, what kind of cool projects are, have you seen, like in the younger years through the older years? That you go, you know what? People in other states, other countries, could totally emulate if they wanted to at least dip their toe in the water into the STEM game. Yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit because oftentimes when you think of STEM, you think of the middle school where Jamie's at, which is fabulous, or even up into the high school when you talk about possibly a career in some form of design thinking. But I'm going to share a project from our kindergarten and first grade as well. We have Miss um, Donovan is our um, STEM teacher at the elementary school, and she did this thing because it's thanks, you know, it's the the fall and Thanksgiving, and she brought in little pumpkins and yeah. popsicle sticks and um, napkins so the project was to build a stand to hold the pumpkin and and the pumpkin was you know maybe like one or two pounds wasn't extremely heavy but how high first of all could you make a stand that would support the pumpkin it was a group of five and once you had that how high could you make it so yes it might seem like a very basic project but when you put four to five first graders second graders together and you walk around and you see them talking about all right well the angle on this popsicle stick or the weight of the tissue we might need four of them how about we put a popsicle stick across the top and to see their uh, verbal brainstorming is what was really impressive for me because too often we hear oh they can't do that in the elementary school and when we give the students an opportunity and a challenge, students are very eager to solve it. And one of the things that I liked is when it didn't work. And not that I wanted students to fail, but if the pumpkin fell or it was off balance, students were like, well, we got four more sticks. Why aren't we using these? And they started to, started to work, work together. And I think I'm gonna compare it to our adults for a minute because I did a project similar with spaghetti, you know, strands and, and marshmallow, how to support a marshmallow. And when our first graders failed, they asked friends, they asked neighbors, they went and looked at what other people were doing. It was incredibly impressive. But when our leaders were doing it, they never asked people around us. They never borrowed supplies. So it just goes to show when we give our younger learners an opportunity to collaborate, design, build, the sense of accomplishment because the project was to get the pumpkin off the ground. Not one of them looked the same, but they all reached their goal. And I think that was something that really stuck with me. Absolutely. And the thing is, I mean, this is more down the purest science line, not so much the STEM, but I was at the, um, our, our statewide um, uh, scientist awards for students. And um, mm -hmm. there was a young student again, I can't remember if she was kindergarten or year one, but she, she, she was pretty young. But she had this, uh, she came up with this project which actually took out the, uh, the, the prize. Uh, and she called it her big blueberry project. And a big blueberry project was, she went to the effort because her, her concern was that when you get your pack of blueberries, you get the big ones, you get the little ones, the in-between ones, everything else. Firstly, do we have 
Are we getting enough the number of blueberries that we expect? And also, if they're big versus small, are they sour or sweet based on their sizes? And does it right. matter on which, which what, what year, uh, week they've been picked or whatever? And so she went to the effort of measuring, literally learning how to do volume oh, <laughs> of these blueberries. The blueberries. This little kid and measured measured individual blueberries, counted the whole things out, weighed them the whole lot, uh, wow. did like you know taste test the rest, and presented all this data set that was uh, you know quite actually quite complicated. <laughs> I mean, I'm we, sure. we, we had a bit of work with uh, with some, some with the teachers there, but she 100% was able to, uh, to articulate what she was concerned about. Was that she just wanted a decent blueberry punnet in her lunchbox? <laughs> but, <laughs> it was, but it was, but it was kind of cool. It's it's relevant and it was important to that student. Yeah, and she went with it, and she went learn a lot out of it, and, and it was clearly authentic because I mean, no one else came up with the blueberry project. Right, <laughs> exactly. Which is which is the point. Um, that's cool, and that I mean, I imagine that pumpkin thing is a an, an easy one that other people could uh, emulate, or you could you know just twist it slightly, and uh, and that's actually the thing. Uh, as educators, often can feel like we're in these four walls. But the reality yeah. is those walls really aren't there and there's a lot of information where people can find other ideas from other educators. And so I might just throw it to you both. Uh, where do you find your ideas for STEM uh, uh, applications in the classroom? Where do you get it from the kids? Jamie, kick us off. Okay, so uh, I am constantly on the prowl for problems, basically. Um, and I try to think of unique ways for students to solve them. Um, we do have a set curriculum that we try to go through, but I like to spice it up with my own ideas from time to time. Um, uh, we're working on uh, in flight and space right now. Um, so I kind of took some of our old office equipment and configured it to be a space lander so they could actually feel like they were in a spaceship. Um, so I think Without getting too much into details on it, I can just say that the more fun and exciting you make them for the students, the more engaged they will be in trying to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree with that. Actually, just to run off that, I mean, I still got memories, and it's not so much STEM. It's got it's definitely got a lot of A in it. It's a lot of steam. Uh, I remember we were reading um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I distinctly remember I was in grade three. Our our teacher got us all to make this wild, over the top classroom. It was like you know when you got just everything everywhere. It looked like a crazy ch chocolate factory. And then we got to melt chocolate. We got to measure chocolate. We got we did all, everything. Basically, we did chocolate mass. We did chocolate everything. <laughs> for the month and i guess when looking back now as an educator i mean she was 100 percent integrating everything we did the history of chocolate we did the art of chocolate we did everything we could do with chocolate and let's be honest grade three kind of cares about chocolate yeah, true. exactly yeah it's like she was promoting a dentist too though oh yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah your little like little cards at the end saying now now you see this person yeah. That's true. I mean, nowadays, though, you could do a chocolate thing like that and then describe, you know, what sugar levels would you need and what the health impacts, et cetera, what's good and what's yeah. in between. Yeah, it's good. There's so many different levels you can take it. I mean, as far as, like, different – trying to incorporate all the subjects into just your STEM lesson, working with an ELA, uh, English teacher or social studies teacher or civics to try and incorporate different levels. Um, and that was one other thing that I wanted to mention earlier, too, is – trying to work with different classroom teachers to work them together um, and have them both work on a, a similar lesson can really take a project to a different level also. Absolutely. And if I could actually add to that, um, 
if you do have paired classrooms, what can be challenging for the kids is not only just to present to each other about what they've done. Um, it can be interesting to see if they can uh, present to other schools, whether it's face-to-face -face or by this web conferencing or video conferencing thing is that the kids can connect via this. Because, I mean, once you leave school, I mean, collaborative technologies is a thing and it's, it's, it's permeating nearly every industry nowadays. And that ability to communicate in so many different forms can be helpful. And whether they're kindergarten kids all the way through the middle grade or higher, it's a good thing to sort of learn as soon as they can. I'm um, sorry, Matthew, I think yeah. I cut in on you just as you were about to say something. Yeah. No, I was going to say this actual, what you were just saying is how I started to look for and get into the STEM process and, and interests as well, where I was looking for projects and inspiration. And I went to down to a school by Tori Cameron and she is does steam up the classroom and she's in from Massachusetts as well. And she, I was looking at how you incorporate STEM with the classroom teacher, as you were just talking about, and she was doing a fabulous project with the science class on the digestive system and other anatomy projects. So she invited me down and I got to see her running two classrooms and students got to um, create projects and teachers came in and, and looked at it. So I saw how it was seamless uh, of, her working with classrooms and that was my first kind of thoughts and sights of like wow this is what it looks like in practice and actually she was the one that says hey you should check out primary stem chat uh, on Twitter and it's mm -hmm. about 18 months ago and I was like oh that's great logged in and then you know been chatting Rachel uh, Lair I think is how you pronounce her last name is been awesome to keep me involved now that you're 14, 16 hours ahead getting to 4 30 a.m is a little tricky so i'm trying to catch the questions oh, and right. back through but then i did a lot because i don't teach it so i do visit jamie's class as much as i can but i go and read and see what other people are doing on chats just like you know primary stem chat and actually through that connection we're here together chat, tap, chatting rachel's actually quoted in my next book to come out um so it's just really exciting to to see what other people are doing outside of our zip code and outside of our country. Because if we're looking at STEM and creating these authentic experiences, it's everywhere. Absolutely. And, um, and big shout out to Tori Cameron. She was uh, on this podcast, oh gosh, six months or a year ago. And she was just setting up at the time, like what that, that um, STEM space. And yeah. actually she put a, tw a tweet out this week. It was kind of funny. She was, she was so incredibly excited about the stack of cardboard she had. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's a, the little things, right? It's the little things. It is totally so. And um, no, absolutely. And that just it goes to say that your PLN can be quite broad. Your you know, that professional learning network, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so you've got another book coming up. Um, I do. Uh, the next book's actually coming out in about, just got a word from the publisher by Thanksgiving time. So in the next two and a half weeks called The Modern Mentor. Um, and that's through Time Send Publication. Um, it's part of the Lead Forward series. So if you want to check that out, you can go to at Lead Forward 2. Um, or you can check you know, me out on Twitter. I've been kind of talking about it a little bit because we're really excited about it. At Matthew X Joseph. And really talks about mentoring, reimagining mentoring in education. And, and not just new teachers. Yes, new teachers is part of the, the process of mentoring. But for me, going to see Tori's classroom, going to primary STEM chat, you all are mentoring me as a district leader on how to be better in my role to support the Jamies of our school district. And that's mentoring also. So the new book talks about how peer-to-peer -peer mentoring um, is allowing us all to grow. And then mentoring leaders, sitting leaders, where I'm hoping I can take what I learn from Jamie, from you, from all the STEM educators out there and bring it to our leaders to say, this is not just a standalone classroom. So 
Um, the new book is about mentoring and not just new teachers. It's mentoring us as a profession so we can continue to grow and be better for our students. Absolutely. And I'm um, just throwing to you, Jamie. Um, I mean, if you had to mentor people in front of you, um, what, what would you sort of suggest if they were going to start their STEM journey? Or frankly, if they're halfway through their STEM journey and they want to step it up a notch, uh, what would you say would be the first steps? Well, I, you know, for me, coming in with STEM, STEM was kind of a new subject. I mean, it's a buzzword. Everybody's talking about STEM, but, you know, what is STEM is the question for everybody. So for me, like, try and get new teachers involved is to try different stuff because there's nothing out else really out there that shows like this is how you need to be a stem teacher so to bring enthusiasm and um come up with different ideas and just try them um i proposed to our school administrators that we have a stem fair so we're going to actually have a stem fair and we're going to bring in actually industry judges so we've reached out to a bunch of local um industry um some some all kinds of engineers and they're going to be coming in and going to be judging the students and talking with them about their jobs and the importance of um, what they're doing so we can we can tie the outside real world a lot better to what they're actually doing um, in the classroom so making that connection to the industry is important and just being enthusiastic and trying to bring in cool new ideas to get everybody excited about it i agree and um what can be a fun layer with that is some form of pitch fest like a uh, shark tank or dragon's den um depends on the age groups of course uh it will be can be a bit daunting for some but it can be also kind of fun going look imagine if we were pitching to get funding for this thing to go large <laughs> can be interesting yeah it can oh, be fun. that's a great idea adding a story to it at the beginning of it can really change the whole element of the project just making it making it more fun for everybody yeah absolutely so um guys thank you very much for uh, spending a little bit of time to have a chat on this i mean there'll be people who would love to reach out to you so how would they get to, in contact with me so matthew we can find you on twitter we find you jamie on twitter as well right yes i am um mr DePace. um i haven't i haven't looked at my tagline in a long time um Matt, what is it <laughs> well, if I go, go over here and we find you over here, where are you, Mr. DePost? It is actually Mr. Dot DePost somewhere. <laughs> it's like, it's funny, you know, we've got a chat here in the background because we organize this through Twitter, guys. And uh, it's just a matter of just finding you. Oh, no. Find so you. he is, so I can, he, so to get in touch with us, so you can get in touch with me at Matthew X Joseph on Twitter. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, I'll be there. You can email me if you have any specific questions at uh, Joseph at gmail.com. Um, Jamie on Twitter, and he's only got 82 followers, peeps. Let's get him up there. Get, get him out there. He is Mr. DePace, and that's at M-R-D-E-P-A-C-E, because now that he has talked about his STEM fair, he's going to tweet it out and really talk about some of the things that he's doing, because... I'm sharing with you now that this is how I have gained ideas and learned. And I hope he can jump in um, and see what's going on, put in the hashtag, hashtag primary STEM chat and learn for here in the States every Thursday morning. Um, some of the great things that are happening, obviously there it's um, 
think it's Thursday night. Is that correct? The well, primary yeah, it's Thursday night, 8.30. Um, yeah. But that is Eastern Standard Time in Sydney. So yeah. uh, go, I, I'm a big fan of time and date converter <laughs> these yeah. days. I uh, need it now because I'm, I'm, I'm so off. It was 15 hours, then it was 14 hours because I do the hashtag TLA, Teach Like Pirate Down Under, and, of course, my friend Brett Shalakis, who does the Aussie ED chat as well. Yeah. So, a lot, lot of friends down there I try to stay connected, so I got to know the, the time change. Yeah, Brett and Zena do a fantastic job with Aussie Ed, Ed and, they, um, and that's about the problem is because we go on changing with daylight saving. <laughs> it's so yeah. frustrating. Tell me about it. <laughs> oh, no, it does, does a head in. We're in it. Um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, look, well, thank you very much, guys, for jumping on uh, and board, and um, have a fantastic time as you start to wind up this year, this time stamping this podcast. And, yeah, it's a November. 2019 you guys will be getting cold you're in massachusetts you'll be getting it's, snow now it's pretty cold it's yeah, pretty record, cold for sure last night there you go very much very cold we've had the opposite here sadly we've actually had some um very over-the-top bushfires in our state in new south wales um and hopefully really? people listening in oh yeah um and hopefully people listening in on this if because we've got people listening all over the place across australia here hope that everything was okay in your community because uh, I know that we did have sadly a few houses lost and all that sort of thing, which is a bit, a bit sad. But anyway, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and actually, it is a learning thing for kids. There are different time zones and seasons in different places of the world. <laughs> and right now, yes. we are hot. We are very hot and very windy. Um, but anyway, but look, thanks very much, guys. And I'll all catch right, thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. Thank you very much. This is the Physics and Podcast. We're excited about science. Grab a copy of our new book, Be Amazing, How to Teach Science the Way Primary Kids Love, from our website. Just search Be Amazing Book. It's available in hard copy and ebook. Go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. Well, there we go. We just heard from Dr. Matthew Joseph and James DePace out of Leicester Public Schools in Massachusetts, USA. And now I hope you got a lot out of that chat and you can totally connect with them. So definitely hit them up on Twitter. So if you're looking for Matthew, look at at Matthew, that's with a double T, at Matthew X Joseph, all one word, Matthew X Joseph, or check out his blog at techinnovation.live. Or if you want to just get in touch with James DePace, and you should get in touch with both of them, reach out to James on Twitter as well with at Mr. DePace. That's M-R-D-E-P-A-C. Anyway, I hope you will get in touch with them, and I hope you're making your STEM journeys for the kids as enriching and as engaging as possible. You've been hanging out with me, Ben Newsom from Phys Education, and we've got more things coming up through the year and coming into 2020. So have a fantastic afternoon or morning or evening or wherever you listen to this podcast, and I'll catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au